Well, each week for the last three weeks, we've been talking about what it means to be a follower of Jesus and how we're called to live as followers in this world. And the first week, we, we talked about how, how you can't do life alone. We were created for relationships with God and with one another. Then after that, we talked about how growing people change, how the power of the Holy Spirit working in us wants to, to help make our hearts new and lead us to love God and love other people more. Last week, we talked about how saved people are called to serve people and how we were each created on purpose for a purpose. And this week, we're going to look at the fourth core value of being a follower of Jesus Christ. And that one is this, found people find people. And now, this may be a little awkward, but but each week I've been asking you to say it with me. So even though I'm not in the room with you, I want to ask you to say it with me right now, okay? Found people find people. And when it, when it comes to this principle, I, I'm going to venture to say that this is perhaps the hardest one for us as followers of Jesus Christ to live out, out of the five. And I can say that because I, I know what next week's principle is. And actually, uh, Teresa Wynn, one of Harvest Point's own, she's been working for weeks on a message she's going to bring to us Labor Day weekend on this fifth principle. So I know that this fourth one is, is perhaps the hardest and really the heart of this principle, the big idea behind it is that we as Christians are called to the task of evangelism. And now if you're not familiar with, with what evangelism is, it's a churchy word that simply means to, to share the good news about Jesus Christ with other people through our words and through our actions with the hope that they might become followers of Jesus Christ as well. And, and this call to be evangelists, to share Jesus Christ with other people, it comes from Christ himself. In Matthew chapter 28, there in some of his final words before he ascended into heaven, he gathered his disciples one final time. And in Matthew 28, verse 18, we, we read this. Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And these verses are, are known as the Great Commission. And if you think about them, I mean, here Jesus is, is pretty clear. He, he says, go. He says, go to, to all people, all people groups. Go teach them all the things that I've commanded you to do. Go baptize them. Go share the good news about me with the entire world. Jesus is pretty clear here. And, and yet for a lot of us, this is something difficult to do. I mean, we, we know we should do it, but we often find it hard to live out on a regular basis. And I think, I think one of the reasons this is is because for a lot of us, when we think about what it means to share our faith and this work that we're called to of evangelism, I think a lot of us, when we, when we think about this, like stories come into our minds. And so for me, when I think about evangelism, one of the things I think about is a time a number of years back, I was in Helen, Georgia in October. Uh, it was Oktoberfest. I wasn't there for Oktoberfest. I'd been hiking all day, but I, I think some of the, the people on the street, the street evangelists thought I was there for Oktoberfest because they were yelling at me. They were yelling at everybody else that walked by. They had a big sign that, that was telling me and other people that we were all sentenced to hell and we were all 
going there and going there quickly. And I remember I was kind of walking around, you know, I'm intrigued. I'm a pastor, you know, I kind of like read their stuff and their signs. And this lady walks up to me, doesn't ask me my name, doesn't smile, doesn't just, just hands me a little pamphlet. Uh, we kind of look at each other awkwardly and she walks off and hands one to someone else. And I'm like walking around the street with everybody else a little bit like this is kind of odd. And uh, I don't think anybody's lives were changing in that, that moment. And like, I was just on my way to get some fudge. And so I went and, and got some fudge and it was all kind of like odd and a little awkward, especially the way she didn't interact with me at all. And like for some of us, like when we think about evangelism, that's the type of stuff that comes into our minds. And so we think, you know, that's not really my personality. It's not my style. I don't know that that's exactly what God's calling me to be. But for a lot of us, that's the kind of script we have, the story we've told ourselves of what evangelism is and looks like. For others of you, maybe when you think of evangelism, uh, the story of, of this couple comes into your mind. And now if you don't know who these people are, uh, you're probably younger than me. Uh, but if you do know, you, you know that this is Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, some of the the most famous televangelist in the heyday of televangelism right now. We're all televangelists. All pastors are as we're doing this stuff on video. But back in the day, like, you know, televangelists were gaining huge followings. It was pretty rare. There was a handful of kind of stars and they were gaining a lot of money. And if you know anything about Jim and Tammy Faye, they, they also uh, uh, had a lot of bad experiences along the way. And ultimately, a lot of people kind of walked away from the faith after a number of different scandals and all this sorts of stuff. And, and televangelists kind of became something culturally that, that people mocked. And so maybe this is kind of the story you have in your mind. Or maybe you've been a waiter or waitress and uh, you, got, you got something that looked like this one day. Maybe you were struggling to make ends meet and a well-meaning, well-intentioned Christian left you uh, this $20 tip that wasn't actually tip. It wasn't a cash it was a fake $20 bill letting you know that there's something greater than money, Jesus Christ, which is true, uh, but you are really looking to make uh, money to, to feed your kids. And so when you think of evangelism, you think of people doing things like that. Or maybe, you know, maybe you've, you've shared your faith with your friends. Maybe you've reached out to family members who don't yet know Christ and, and prayed for them and, and talked with them, and, and you've been rejected. Or you've like felt awkwardness in the workplace after you brought up that you were a Christian. Maybe, maybe you feel like people you love that, that you've reached out to have, have rejected God. And so when you think of, of evangelism and this idea that, that found people find people like, you know, you, you've kind of grown a little cold with it because of your experiences. We all have stories that comes to our mind when it comes to this kind of stuff. And I think a lot of the times we've had bad experiences with evangelism. And so we're, we're kind of hesitant and we're kind of shy. But, but what I want to do in our time this morning is actually maybe try to replace some of the stories that you have and ideas you have about evangelism. Uh, kind of replace those with, with another story. Another story from Scripture that we read about, uh, about a time when some people shared Jesus Christ with one of their friends. And I want to share the story with you because I think it's a powerful, powerful image. It's a powerful story that reveals to us some core principles about what it means for our calling to share Jesus Christ with other people. And it's a story that, that's it's, it's really quite remarkable. It's, it's found in three of the Gospels. We're going to be looking at, at Mark's account of it this morning in Mark chapter 2. 
And, and this story is a story of radical life change that takes place in the town of Capernaum. And that was kind of Jesus' home base when he was, he was doing ministry in the area of the Galilee. And so that was kind of his home base. And when he started there, I mean, he, he, he began right out of the gate saying things like, hey, repent. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And he began teaching. He began teaching in the synagogue there and elsewhere. Um, and people said, this is one who teaches with authority, not like the other teachers. And, and then he began healing people. He'd been casting out demons and doing all sorts of wild stuff. And so you can imagine like people began to come. People began to hear, they began to bring their loved ones, they began to get excited to learn more about this man. And so in Mark chapter 2, we, we come across this story of, of some people who were really, really willing to do whatever it took to help their friend come to know Jesus Christ. And so I want to I read this to you, beginning in verse 1. We read this, a few days later when, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. And some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And since they couldn't get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then they lowered the mat the man was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, he said, Son, your sins are forgiven. And now some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take up your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sin. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. And he got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. We have never seen anything like this. Isn't that a great story? I mean, the Gospels are full of amazing stories about Jesus, and I love this one. And one of the things I do when, when, when I'm just doing personal Bible study and preaching and teaching, I, I, one of the questions I ask myself is like, hey, what would it be like to, to look at this story from different people's points of view? And so if you think of a story like this one, you could look at Jesus's point of view and kind of look at things from his perspective. You could do the crowd. You could think about the, the man who is paralyzed and, and, and look at the story from his his point of view. But this morning, what I want to do is kind of look at the point of view of the, the four men who carried this paralyzed man. Because what these men are doing is that they're, they're helping this man meet Jesus. And I think at a simple level, that's what evangelism is. It's helping other people encounter Jesus, making that introduction. That's what we see them doing here. And as we see them doing it, when we look at some of the key things that they do, I, I think it gives insights on some key things that we're called to do as Christians as well. And so when we look at this story, when we think about one of the first things that, that at least I notice in here is that these men, first of all, they had faith. They had faith. And I love Martin Luther's definition of faith. Here, here's how he defines it. He says, faith is a living, bold trust in God's grace. 
a living, bold trust in God's grace, so certain of God's favor that it would risk death a thousand times trusting in it. And these guys had faith, right? I mean, they had a living, bold trust that Jesus Christ was able to do the seemingly impossible. They believed that, that he could help their friend who, who couldn't be helped in many other ways. And it was their faith that moved them into action. And Jesus actually celebrates their faith. If you notice there in the text, he celebrates their faith. And I think when it, when it comes to evangelism, like for us, this is where it all begins as well. It begins with personal faith in Jesus Christ because it's hard to share something we don't actually have ourselves. And so if you think about this phrase, found people, find people, it begins with realizing and experiencing being found. And this phrase comes from that old song. You know, I once was lost, but now am found. I was blind, but now I see. It's, it's this recognition that we have been saved, like we talked about last week. We have been redeemed. We have been made sons and daughters of, of God. We, we have been saved by His grace. And it's this living, bold trust in His grace that has saved us, that has rescued us, that's redeemed us, that has found us. Like, like when that is in our hearts and we have that deep inside of us, what happens is naturally it, it bubbles up out of us and it flows to other people. And just like in so many areas of life, like when, when you've experienced something good and when you have good news, like you want to share it with other people. And that's how it is with, with faith. When we have a living, bold faith in Jesus Christ, it's going to come out and it's going to motivate us into action, into the action of sharing Jesus Christ with other people. So I think that's where it all begins. It begins with faith. And we see that's what they had. But then if we, we, we keep looking, we also see that they not only had faith, they also, they recognized a need. They recognized a need in, in this man. And now the text doesn't make it, make it explicit that this man was their friend, but, but church history kind of shares this view. And if you look at the context clues, it doesn't seem like it was necessarily a stranger. And so, so we can think about that this being someone that they knew, that they loved, and they knew that he had this deep need, that he was unable to walk. He was, he was paralyzed. And not only was that a, a very difficult thing in and of itself, in their culture, a lot of times people who were paralyzed were unable to do things that everybody else did. They were unable to do specific things in the temple. They couldn't participate in every aspect of communal life. And so they were oftentimes ostracized. And so they knew that this man also needed community restoration with others. And so they, they saw this deep need in their friend. And I think that's something important for us as well. Because the most effective form of evangelism that, that I've seen, the, the stories that I hear of, of you who've shared faith with others and, and people coming to our church and being baptized, generally those faith commitments and those, those next steps of faith come through existing relationships that people have with one another. And so a lot of times it comes through a friend or a family member or a coworker, or maybe someone they're friends with on, on Facebook. And, and rather than, you know, just shouting at random people on the street, and, and you know, I, I know people who, who've come to Christ in, in, in very wild 
ways, but I found the most effective form is through relationships with other people and not just, just speaking to them and just immediately going and telling them about Jesus, but, but a lot of times it's effective to first listen to someone else, to listen to their story, to discover the needs they have in their life, and then connect the needs that they have in their life with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, you know, I, I don't know if you've, you've taken a moment to, to stop and pause lately as life is kind of resuming and we're, we're, we're hitting another surge again, but like there's a lot of needs around us. There's a lot of needs in, in people's lives. People have a need for peace right now. People have, have a need to, to know what, what's going to happen on the other side of death because people are thinking about death and eternity in ways that they haven't before in our lifetime. I mean, people ha have a need for purpose. They're, they're questioning jobs they've held for many years in the midst of everything being shaken up. They have a need for relationships with other people. We, we've, we've felt that need. Like There are all these needs around us. And, and look, if you're here this morning and you have faith in Jesus Christ, you know the good news that, that Jesus is able and willing to meet the deepest needs in our lives. And so, so when, when our faith is motivating us and we're able to listen to the stories of the loved ones around us and discern the needs that they have then, we're able to connect Jesus Christ and what he wants to do in their life and what he is doing in their life and in the world. We're able to connect that with them and their story. And it's a very effective way of sharing our faith. And so, so I think the second thing, you know, that the guys did that we need to do is, is simply recognizing a need around us. And then the third thing that I love, and I think this is my, maybe my favorite thing these guys did, like they were willing to do whatever it takes. They were willing to do whatever it took to help their friend meet Jesus. I mean, I mean, think about it. Like they made they made a stretcher first of all. They, like I think about the ones we used to make in Boy Scouts. You know, like two sticks, a blanket. You roll it up. They made a stretcher. Four of them are carrying him. They're they're pressing through the crowds. I mean, no telling how wild it was, but they're pressing through the crowds. They get to the house. They realize, you know what? You can't go in the main door. So what do they do? They think about the house. They know, okay, there's probably a patio on the roof. They go around to the back staircase. They carry this man up the stairs. It would not have been easy. They get up to the roof. The man on the mat, you know, he's probably thinking like, what is happening? I don't even understand. Like my friends are wild. But then one of the guys, and I don't know who it was, and I don't think he got permission, but he just starts digging. He starts removing the tiles and the dirt and the straw, removing the ceiling. And then I just love to imagine Jesus, while he's preaching and teaching, looking up and being like, oh my goodness. And, and all of a sudden, all the stuff being removed, there's this big hole. And then this man, this man with great, deep needs, shows up before Jesus Christ because his friends were willing to do whatever it took to help him meet Jesus. And why did they do this? They did this because they loved their friend. They loved their friend and they wanted him to meet Jesus. And I think this is so crucial for us as well. I think we have to be willing to do whatever it takes to help people know Christ. I think it takes creativity. 
it, it takes unique circumstances for, for different people. You know, I've heard some churches say, look, we will do anything short of sin to reach people for Jesus Christ. And because people are unique and have unique needs and unique stories and unique backgrounds with, with church and everything else, like, like the ways that we help get them in front of Jesus is going to look different for each and every person. I mean, for some people, I think it's going to be saying to them, hey, hey, would you come and see? Would you come and see? Like in John chapter 1, that's what we see. Guys say, hey, come and see. And maybe that's saying to somebody in your neighborhood who just moved into town and saying, hey, do you have a church home? Hey, no? Hey, come and see. Come check out Harvest Point. Other times, it's, it's, it's going and telling. It's not waiting on, on people to come to us or move into the neighborhood. It's, it's going to people where they are. And one of the ways we do this with our outreach team is going to, to local extended stay hotels and, and, and literally knocking on doors, right? A lot of people have a fear of it, but it's actually kind of fun. Like just knocking on doors and saying, hey, we're here with the church. We love you. God loves you too. And it's, it's sharing the love of Jesus Christ in that way. For some people, it might look like praying for their needs. And I'll tell you this, in all my years as a pastor, I may have had one person say when they had a need and I asked if I could pray for them on the spot, they said, no thanks. But everybody else says, I would love that. And that's a way I've been able to share the presence and, and the power of Jesus Christ with others. I mean, I mean, there's so many ways that we can think about, okay, how do we get Jesus in front of other people? How do we help them meet Jesus. And I would say one of the most effective ones is, is like I mentioned earlier, listening to other people's stories, but not stopping there, but also sharing our own story. Sharing our own story of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And this doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be some dissertation. You can simply let people know this. Hey, here's what my life was like before Jesus Christ. Here's how I encountered Jesus Christ. And here is what he's done for me. And here's what my life is like now. And then offering them an invitation. Hey, I think Jesus would love to work in your life as well if you would let him. Right? We need to be willing to do whatever it takes to introduce people to Jesus Christ. And so so don't be boxed in on whatever ideas you have about what evangelism should or, or shouldn't look like. And that brings us to to the really final aspect of, of what these friends did that I wanna I want to put before you today. Because you know a lot of times we, we put in this work, we, we share Jesus Christ with other and we feel this immense pressure to to convert people, to change people. And if like we, we share Jesus Christ with them and they don't they don't change on the spot, we feel like maybe we we failed somehow. But but let me tell you this I think what what we see these guys also doing and it's the fourth thing I want to tell you about, is after they brought their friend to Jesus, they trusted Jesus to do what only Jesus could do. Let me say that again because this is so important. They trusted Jesus to do what only Jesus could do. Right? Like they knew they couldn't change their friend's life. They didn't have the power to heal him and heal his deep, and deepest places of need, but they knew the one who did have the power. And so they said, look, we're going to bring him in front of Jesus, and then we are going to let Jesus take it from there. And we see what happens when they did that, that Jesus, he met the man's physical needs 
and he met the man's spiritual needs. And like this, this made the religious leaders in his day so mad, so angry. Like this is the beginning of all sorts of conflicts he had with them because they're like, only God can forgive sins. But remember that Jesus is God with us. And for God, nothing is impossible. And there was no one who is impossible uh, to be changed by God's love. It is possible for every single person to change once they meet Jesus Christ. But, but it's not up to us. We simply need to bring them before Jesus Christ and let Jesus do what only he can do. And, you know, if you, if you think about it, this story and this, this progression of what these guys went through, like this is, this is my story. This is probably your story. This is the story uh, of so many Christians. Someone had faith. They, they saw a need. They were willing to do whatever it took to introduce someone to Jesus Christ. And then Jesus Christ transformed a life. And so maybe for you, you know, it was a, a friend. Maybe it was uh, a mother. Maybe it was a grandmother who prayed for you. Maybe it was a, a co-worker who shared Jesus Christ with you. You're like, somebody helped us meet Jesus and has found people, as people who've been changed by his grace. He calls us to go out to others. And I'll close with this story uh, tonight. Or that's when I'm filming tonight. This morning I'll close with this. It's a story uh, that Nikki Gumbel tells on the Alpha Course about a man in, in World War II. He was in the trenches and he was dying and uh, one of his fellow soldiers was next to him and he, he said, is there anything I can do for you? And the man said, you know, I think this is it. This is it. There's nothing you can do for me. And then the man said, well, is there any message I can, I can take back uh, to, our, to our home country and, and share with someone? And the man said, actually, you know, I think there is a message. And he said, the message is this. Go to this address the man wrote it down. Go to this address and tell the person there that what you told me as a child is helping me in my dying moment. So a while later, the soldier was back home and he looked up the address and, and he went there and knocked on the door and an old man answered. And the soldier said, hey, this, this man, your friend has died and he told me to give you this message that what you taught him as a child, helped him in his dying moments. And when he heard those words, the man looked up to heaven and he said, God, forgive me. God, forgive me because I gave up teaching Sunday school many, many years ago because I thought it was having no effect on anybody. And little do you know, it was having a huge effect on some of those kids. It affected their lives and it affected their lives in eternity. And what I want you to know this morning is that when you share Jesus Christ, it has an effect with others. You might not see it right away. You might not see it in your lifetime. But when you share Jesus Christ with others and care for them and love them in that way, God is honored. God will be at work. And so I want to tell you, church, keep up the good work. Share Jesus Christ with other people. Do 
whatever it takes. And this morning, as we close in prayer, I want to just pray that, that God would, would help us do that. And I want to pray uh, a prayer of thanksgiving as well for the people who've shared Jesus Christ with us. Would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, thank you for your love. Your love that, that seeks us out. Your love that chases us down. Your love that, that meets us right where we are and transforms us from the inside out. And, and we thank you this, this day for those who, who shared Jesus with us. We thank you for those who stepped out in faith, uh, risked awkwardness, maybe even risked the relationship to tell us the good news. And we pray this morning that you'd help us to be bold, that you'd help us to be bold and share the good news of Christ with others as well. So open our eyes to needs, to, to people who are hurting, people who need you desperately in their lives. Open our, our hearts to them. Open our hands. Open our very lives and help us be evangelists, sharing the good news with everyone we encounter. And we pray all these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen.